Well, this morning, we're going to do something different. We do it once a year. We did it a year ago. And that is consider God's blessings to us as a congregation. Uh, and so we're, we're not, obviously, Psalm 78. We're not in Genesis. Um, and this is going to be more um, biographical of King, King's Cross Church. That's our focus this morning. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll get into this. Let's, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your grace and goodness and providence in the life of this church, in the lives of those that are here. Um, one way or another, you've, you've led us all here this morning. <clears throat> Many of us are members of this congregation. And we thank you that you're doing a work in all of our lives here at this church. And we pray that we would, with your Spirit's help, reflect well upon your grace to us um, this past year and even just leading up to, to, the, to the existence of King's Cross Church. So we ask for your help and we ask for it in Christ's name. Amen. A uh, former history professor at OU, Bill McClay, recently wrote an article on memory, looking at the importance of memory and remembering. Um, just think, think of how fundamental memory is to, say, your family. There's all sorts of things in your family, stories that have been told, sayings, there's family lore. There's little like movie quotes and TV show quotes that your family can recite. There's stories that you each can kind of finish the sentence of as you're telling because you've heard it so many times. There's inside jokes. And sometimes like if you, if you marry into a family and you're an in-law, some of the history of all of these family stories and remembering precedes your arrival into the family and you feel that kind of awkward moment. I, I wasn't there for that, right? And the same is, it could be said of, of friendships. Friendships um, are, are bonded and glued together through memory. This is why something like Alzheimer's is so devastating. Because all of a sudden, there, there is no memory. And the relationship sort of falls apart. It becomes one-sided, one way, because of the loss of memory. And then McClay says this, what memory is for individuals, history is for civilization. And without the reference points provided by a broadly shared historical consciousness, we soon forget who we are and we perish. And McClay's point is that in, in this nation, we, we Americans have kind of forgotten our past. Our past is contested. It's fought over. There's no real shared history that we have, and as a result, we've lost our cohesion as a country because we don't have a shared memory any longer. We have tribes now that are sort of warring against each other, and that's a problem, he says. But I believe that what McClay says about families and friendships and nations applies to churches as well, that it's important for us as a congregation to develop a shared memory of how God has worked in this church. For some of you, this, this, this history is gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna re- be kind of remembering all along. For some of you that are newer, this is maybe new to you. But either way, we're gonna kind of go over the history of this church and how God has, has blessed us. 
And by the way, the Bible agrees that memory is really important. You see it all over. You see it all throughout the scriptures. Remember the works of the Lord. And we see it well here in Psalm 78. Let's let's look at it again. Look at verse 3. What our fathers told us, we will not hide from our father, their children, but tell to the coming generation all the glorious deeds of the Lord, his might, the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob, a testimony that we're reading about right now in this moment in our church's life, Jacob. He established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed the law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell to the next generation so that these subsequent generations should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Right? Remembering is important. In fact, every week, one of our objectives is to remember the work of Christ in our lives. And we believe that we're, we're changed through that that remembering of Christ's work for us on the cross. And so, like I said, I hope that some of this is going to be familiar. I hope that at some point you could come up here and finish some of these stories because it's so familiar to you. You remember uh, hearing about it. Just like at, grand- at the old dinner table, Grandpa tells that story for the hundredth time and you can like finish every sentence. I hope that that happens so that we have this collective memory together. So let me, let me begin by giving just a quick kind of review of what led, how, how I was led, and Sarah, Sarah and me were led to begin this church plant. I sensed God calling me to ministry uh, in my senior year in high school. I, there was a youth pastor who was a formative influence in my life and began to think maybe God was calling me to do something kind of like what he was doing. And he said, well, let's... let's exercise those gifts. You can start leading in this youth ministry, start doing things to help out, and we'll see. And over the course of that senior year, that kind of was, that sense of call was confirmed, which led to attending uh, Oklahoma Baptist University, where I met Sarah, and um, we got married there. Uh, the, she had just graduated the year before, and I was wrapping up my final year of, of college, and I, I studied ministry, like biblical languages, and was preparing for ministry there at college. A few of you in this congregation were there during that season of our life. And following uh, graduation from college, we moved, Sarah and me moved to uh, the Boston area where we went to seminary and were involved in a, 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 church, a Presbyterian PCA church there in the Boston area that had an enormous impact on our lives. Very formative and, um, it, and really, the thing that stuck out in that experience was the clarity for the first time in, in my life, in Sarah's life as well, we were hearing the gospel proclaimed with clarity, the kind of clarity that applied not just to the non-believer who had never heard the gospel, but the kind of clarity that applied to a, a, like a person that had been a Christian for, for years, and it was having an effect on our hearts and having an effect on how Sarah and I related to one another. And so another interesting little note in all this, as I'm, when I was in high school, I just kind of did what I needed to do to get by in school. By no means that I have like a love for learning. And then I get to college and there's a transformation that takes place. 
began just eating up all this stuff and, and continuing in seminary. And, and I began thinking, if I could go and continue and do a PhD and kind of just reach the, the finish line of an education, that would be great. But of course, there were a lot of questions as to whether that would be practical or even plausible. So following seminary, we moved back to Oklahoma, and I began applying to all these different schools and um, end up uh, getting accepted to a school called Durham University in the UK. And so we uh, began planning for that. Now, here's the difficulty, though. The scholarships weren't coming in quite the way I was hoping for. (laughs) They were coming in at a trickle, which meant we needed to raise a lot of money. And so there was a big question. And I had a loose grip. We had a loose grip on this. If it didn't work out, that's fine. It doesn't work out. And just when we're thinking that it's probably not going to work out, some friends of ours we meet with and say, we, we, we would love to help support you in this endeavor. And it was like so surprising. And then move along and Sarah and I, we find out that we're pregnant with our, with our oldest, Cora. And that was a surprise. We weren't expecting to head overseas with, you know, with, with baby due and also created a, a financial challenge. And at that same time, we're also learning that the school says, I have to demonstrate that we have the funds to live for a full year in order to get a student visa. We didn't have that kind of money in the bank. So how was that going to happen? So that, on top of the pregnancy, the very next day after we find out that we're pregnant, the most unlikely of people reaches out and says, I feel God leading me to support you and here's basically a, life's, a year's salary for you. It's incredible, the grace of God in that. And so we go. We go to the UK. Now, one of the big difficulties of, of being a student for like 12 years is just trying to figure out how to make life work for that long, where one, one's working and you're kind of living in student housing and all of that. It's like a marathon, you know, to be a student for that, for that long. And so we, we come back to the States. I'm still continuing the program. And we're actually living with Sarah's parents in Tulsa for, for a year. And, and that, that's for like a school year. And um, we realize that this is not, I mean, this is great and everything. And they've been so generous. But we need to move. We need to be on our own. What would be, we're just driving through Oklahoma. And we ask ourselves, what would be the perfect job? Like, we don't know what we're going to do, but what would, it, let's just say, like, anything's available to us. What would be the perfect job? And I think Sarah, I think it was Sarah that said, well, you know, you could be like, I could be like a resident director at a dorm. That would, that would really be ideal because you've got student housing available. You've got a university library where you can continue to study. It seems like a fairly flexible schedule for a mom. And for me, working student, maybe there would even be an opportunity to teach at this university. And we thought, well, this, this is a brilliant idea, but such a long shot, right? And so Sarah calls one of our friends who's working at, this, at our former college, who's a resident director, and says, like, what do you have to do to become a resident director? What's this look like? She says, funny thing, I just um, submitted my resignation because my husband, we're moving out of state, he's doing more schooling, and so we're leaving. There's going to be an opening here at this school. You should apply. So we apply. Now, here's the thing, though. Resident directors, like that's a, that's a niche kind of thing. Like you go to school for that. And Sarah was 
physical therapy with kind of a dental background. So it's kind of like, I don't know if this is going to work. So she begins the application process and gets the job, and, which is amazing. And then, like, within a week of that getting the job, I hear from the dean of the School of Theology. He calls, he says, Casey, I heard you're in Tulsa. We have a couple classes that we need somebody to teach. I know it's a drive from Tulsa because it's probably not going to make sense to come down to Shawnee. I said, well, funny thing. We just got a job at this school. Uh, OB, we'll be there, and yes, I'll definitely teach. So I began teaching. And my point is to say, look, these, these stories of God's hand in our lives are just are so encouraging. And it's so evident um, God's hand is there. And here's another thing I'll say. These kinds of stories in our lives where God just sort of takes us by the hand and carries us along need to be cherished and remembered and spoken of because there will be seasons where that hand of God isn't so evident in your life, where you're going to wonder, where is God? What's going on? Because that season of like, kind of God just taking us by the hand was followed by us a good season, but it's a season where that wasn't really happening. Because shortly after that, I'd finished the, the degree. I was working with Jay Sampson. I don't know that he's here this morning. As an associate pastor part-time at his church in, in Shawnee. And was doing a few other things. And um, Sarah was at home with the kids. Now we had two children. And I'm applying to, to work in Presbyterian churches and or colleges or seminaries. I apply to a over a hundred over the course of two years, churches, seminaries, and colleges, and got like two or three interviews. Very little traction. And that was a discouraging season. And began to think, well, in the providence of God, church work, or, or even seminary or college, Christian college for that matters, not, it's, not in the, it's not in the plans, right now at least. So begin applying for these positions in um, Christian schools, and we take a position in Iowa at a, um, at a Christian school up there, and, um, and I'm a headmaster there for uh, three years. At the same time, we get involved in a church plant, uh, a, a, a church that was very formative for Sarah and our family, and I become, we come, our first Sunday is like their third Sunday to meet publicly, so like right there at the beginning. And I become a pastor, like an elder of the church, um, and huge training ground for church planting for three years at that church. And then we moved back to Oklahoma City with the hopes of um, joining a, a PCA church where we can then pursue this ministry call uh, within, with, with, with City Press. And in January of, of 2017, so five years ago, I met with Doug Servin, the pastor at the time at City Press, and said, you know, Doug, I feel called to ministry, ministry in the, in the PCA. Um, I wanted to just tell you that. I don't know what, what this is going to mean. I'm working at the school, and it's going great. But at some point down the road, I believe God's calling me to serve in the church setting here in this denomination. So I began to pray in earnest about that, journaling these prayers and after two months, I really began to praying about uh, planting, perhaps, anywhere in the lower 48 is fine by us. Although we do like being in Oklahoma City, and our kids are now getting rooted 
here. And so really begin thinking about what, what about planting in this particular area? And in March of 2017, one person comes up to me and says, hey, Casey, have you thought about planting a church? I had no idea that any of this stuff was going on in my little prayer journal. Have you thought about planting a church? You know, our, our city group is getting quite large, and we could, actually, we could actually be a core group. And then a week or two rolls by, another person independent of that person. Casey, have you thought about planting a church? Our city, you know, kind of the same, same thing. And then, and, then, and then within a month, three people independently of one another all say basically the same thing. Have you thought about planting a church? And so over the course of that summer, that's a huge kind of, there's this internal sense, and now externally these, these little clues are coming, and begin to really think that this is what God is doing. And so in October of 17, uh, me and a few others in, in this room met with Doug and Bobby to, uh, at the pastors at City Presence and say, we, we believe that there may be space and need and opportunity to plant a church in Oklahoma City, Northeast Oklahoma City, Southeast Edmond. And so then that begins, and they say, yes, we support it. They give their thumbs up, and so we begin working with City Press. I begin working with the Presbytery. I go through a six-month ordination process, which is involved. I won't go into those details. We, Sarah and I fly out to Atlanta uh, to meet with the denomination and be assessed as church planters. This is what um, you know, pastor, so one pastor referred to it as like SEAL training for pastors. This is like 48 hours of just intense, deep dive into your life. And so they, they give us the okay. Uh, I meet, there's, a, there's a group called the Southwest Church Planting Network. And they plant churches from Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, uh, Arkansas. Huge region. And I tell them about what, we're, what God is doing and, and, and what we believe. And they say, we believe in you. We're going to give you $100,000 to get you started. And so this past year, we received, it's over three years, we received like $33,000 from the Southwest Church Planting Network. We're going to receive another $33,000 and then another one next year. So they're supporting us. And by the way, we're also pouring back into to that network. We're, we're providing support to that network so that more churches in Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma can be planted. So anyway, all, all of that. And then um, there's the ordination. There's, the, there's that. Oh, as you're beginning to plant a church, it's not just a guy getting up and preaching. There has to be like music. And, 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 and I'm thinking, okay, this is, a, this is an important piece of the whole puzzle here. Music. So I'm meeting with one guy who's not a part of this church, uh, just a, a guy that I get connected with, and I'm talking to him about it, and I'm talking to him about the denomination, the, this PCA that was new to him, and he said, oh, my brother, he, he leads worship in uh, Guthrie and at a Baptist church, and well, it's, it's going well for him there, but, but he, he has kind of a desire to be involved in the PCA. What are the chances? <laughs> it just... It was so particular. So we meet with Taylor and begin to get to know Taylor over the courses like fall of um, 18, I believe. We also have a, 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 a significantly large number of 6th through 12th graders in our congregation. So much so that there's need for a youth pastor. And back in, I believe it was, goes back to fall of 2016, I met with 
Jake, because I was working at this school, um, and, and, and we, we met, he was, a, he was a dad at the school and was a pa- youth pastor at the time, and we met just to get to know one another, and then we met like a year later, and then begin to think, and then he expresses interest in being a part of this church, and think, well, we have a youth pastor right here, ready to go. He begins working here and is able to do the youth ministry part-time. So like all of these little pieces start falling into place for this church. And then you remember two years ago in January, almost to the day, it was January 12th uh, is when we had our first meeting, a Sunday, a Bible study at Lone Star Baptist, like, you know, straight over there, we met and began meeting for Bible study, and that was a good time. And, and it was about two or three meetings in, it was still in January, where Doug Servin, the pastor at City Press, met. We were planning on starting in, in Labor Day of um, 20, or maybe the Sunday after Labor Day of 20, because Labor Day is kind of low attendance Sunday. Uh, so the Sunday after. And uh, Doug shows up, and he's like, that's too long. You guys just need to get started because you guys because there's a, it was a big crowd. There were a lot of people here. He said, I, momentum is is there. Let's just do this. He said, "Why don't you start Easter Sunday?" And we thought, "Okay, well, let's actually Easter Sunday. Let's not try to figure things out on Easter Sunday. Let's start maybe not Palm Sunday. Let's go to Sunday before Palm Sunday. That way, we're up and running. Palm Sunday. That was March 29th. Then was our our date to launch." Well, you'll remember in early March, something started happening, spreading across the globe, and we're still dealing with it. COVID, everything shut down. The, the NBA and college basketball and the economy and everything came to a screeching halt. And so then the question was, well, do we try to start when everything else is stopping? Do we not just push out to Labor Day like we originally planned? And we decided that if there was ever a time for a church to begin, it was during a global pandemic. Because when the world is at its darkest, the church shines brightest. And the need for the church is at its highest. And so we, we, we planted a church. Now, here's the big question, though. Do we have the technical expertise to shift to church online, kingscrosschurch.tv? Could we do that? Well... Just so happens, we have Tommy Wilkerson to the rescue, and, and shortly after, Mike Manchek comes in, and they're making this technical, all the technical side work, and we're pulling this thing off. We meet for two months online, and then we begin meeting outdoors uh, a couple weeks um, at the Capicelli um, home outside, and then we move to the Oklahoma Christian Pavilion. We're there for the whole summer, and then in August, we begin meeting at the Capicelli Gym. Uh, which was a perfect setting for the pandemic because we opened the windows, opened the doors. It had great circulation. It was just a wonderful spot for us to meet. And then you'll remember, we began meeting uh, here back in May. But this time last year, I sat, I, I stood, I guess, in, in the Capicelli gym and I explained God's grace to us in 2020. And I said, as we look to 21, there are two things that I see as priorities for this church. They start with L's. Land, location land, 
and leadership. Those are the two things that we, that was the objective of 21. Like, figure out those two things. Land and, and location, that's like one thing, and then leadership. And so, at that time, we formed a building and land committee to begin looking at two things, two questions. One, long-term location. Where could we find a building? Or maybe not a building, maybe a piece of land. That would, we would be open to that as well in building something. But where can we be long-term? That was one question. The second question was, where could we be in the near term as a bridge to that longer location? And so we began to consider options and to make a lot, of, a lot of meetings and a lot of prayer and a lot of time together. We, um, we, we nailed this location down, which has been wonderful for us. And we, um, we found a long-term property to purchase, the property at Wilshire and Bryant, which we visited a few weeks ago. So we... We nailed those two questions as far as like long-term location and near-term location. And our relationship here has been great. There's been another hand of God's grace and providence uh, in, in this, even this past year that probably not many of you know about. There was another church meeting here that predated us. Um, and and they, we, I had a relationship with their pastor and kind of the plant, the sending pastor, um, and have appreciated their wisdom, even in the last like three years, as we've begun planting, we've been in conversations with one another. And we start, we begin meeting here with, we kind of with, with their knowing that we were going to be here, and they were meeting in the evenings, and then came to realize that they were going to plan on meeting in the mornings. And they predated us here. And really, we were willing to leave this location if, if they wanted it. And through lots of prayer and conversations with those pastors, they were looking and looking and looking for a location, and they found it at First Baptist Church, which is a great, they're in the chapel there, it's a wonderful location for any church. I'd be happy for us to be there, we're not so close to City Press. Um, So great location, and all of that was just them being so generous and kind to us as a congregation. So here we are, continuing to meet with continuity here at this spot. Um, and then, so, so that was the land question. There was another question that we had, and that was the question of leadership. Currently, like as our, as our church is kind of organized, City Prez is the mother church, and they and their elders sent us out to be a mission church of City Prez. And so our, our authority is, um, is, is, is the elders of City Press. We're technically a part of them. But what, what we began doing in July, and really this goes back to like when we began, I began meeting with a few men that I believed were, um, were fit for being elders and pastors of this church. And so we, um, we began formal training in July. We met, we've been meeting twice a month, Sunday nights, since July, and have completed that training over this last half semester, since the summer, and we'll begin the process of ordaining and installing those, those men in the months ahead. And hopefully, I think by the spring, we'll have elders installed, which means we, become, we go from being a mission church of City Press 
to a particularized church, like our own congregation. And I don't, I don't know if this is new. I'm, I'm kind of even new to this denomination, but I was meeting with pastors in Tulsa, and one of the pastors there said, he introduced me to another guy, and he said, this is Casey Shutt, he's pastor of King's Cross Church in Oklahoma City. They're already about to get elders, and they're only two years in. I, I don't, I don't, so I take that to mean this has been a pretty fast thing for us, which is a, just another blessing of God, that his hand is answering these prayers. We, we mentioned two things, you know, land and leadership, and here we are, at, a year later, both of those things seem to be well in place and ready to go. Another thing that we, that, that we began this time last year was community builders. We had kind of done like a community builders thing in the fall where we were shuffling groups, and that was great, but we, we established groups this time last year. And I think over the course of the year, those groups have, been, have bore fruit within our congregation. Fellowship has been developed. Community has been developed. People have engaged in one another's lives in deep ways. And it's so much so that I felt almost a mini revolt beginning Beginning, when, when we talked about the need to, to change those groups up, which that's a great answer to the, to, 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 that, to the whole venture of these community builder groups. And you guys have been so generous and gracious and understanding to be willing to, to, to change that up as well. And so um, we're meeting tonight with leaders to kind of talk about this next year as it relates to community builders. Here's another thing that's happened this past year. COVID is still there, as we're all well aware, and I don't know um, if you've felt this, you all have been so gracious and not divisive in the midst of this. This, this thing, it's sad to me, but it is like ripping, it seems as though it's ripping our nation apart, it's ripping church communities apart, it's causing massive division within church communities. And I know that we have different opinions on all this, and that's fine. But to my knowledge, this has not caused even a hint of division within our congregation. And that is, that is a gift of God. That Christ, you know, in the, in the garden, he prayed um, that we would be united, that we would be one as a church body. And I feel that on that particular issue, and, and even more than that, we are and that's a gift of God. I mean, COVID has beaten churches and pastors up these last two years. The divisions that churches are experiencing has caused church attendance to plummet. It's down like in-person church attendance is down 30 to 50% of what it was before the pandemic. 30 to 50%, like half of all people that went to church in February of 2020, don't go to church anymore. That's incredible. 20%, the, the, the best guess is that 20% of all churches that existed before the pandemic will not exist when this is all over, that they will die, that they will, fall, that they will just fall apart. That's tens of thousands of churches, and this is all American statistics, 38% of ministers 
are considering leaving the ministry. That's, I mean, you're getting close to like half of the pastors and priests and ministers gone considering leaving. That's incredible. And in my own conversations with pastors, those, you know, just anecdotally, those statistics seem about right. Just hearing some of the stories and the difficulties that churches and pastors face. And so in that context, here's what's happened here. We grew by 65 members. We added 65 members to this congregation. That's like 80% growth from where we were this time last year. That's incredible. <laughs> that's, that's, that's amazing in this climate. Um, in, in 2020, we baptized um, nine, we, six new believers in Christ, and then three covenant or, or baby baptisms that we did in 2020. This past year, 2021, we baptized 13, seven new believers in Christ, and six covenant baptisms. We are still financially solvent as a church. Uh, many churches cannot say that. In, in our little infancy as a church, we are financially solvent, and we're going to provide a report eventually on that. Uh, the reason we, we can't do it on this particular day, it'd be a great day to do it like after the service, but our, our, our books haven't been wrapped up, buttoned up from 21, so we wait until that gets done, and then we can kind of give you the full 2021 20, report. Um, so anyway, more, more to come on that, but we're, we're doing well financially. Um, we've also been a blessing to other churches, to other ministers. Every RUF pastor in the state, at uh, University of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State University, Tulsa University, is supported by us in some way. We're supporting the work of church planting, as noted. We're supporting the work of Restore. We've, we've, we've uh, sought to be generous to Restore OKC and its work on the northeast side. So let me, let me try to highlight it by saying this. There, there was a GIF that I passed around or meme or what, I don't even know, whatever it is, a little picture um, back at our one-year anniversary back in 2021. Do you remember what it was? It was a little baby Yoda with a cute little grin on his face. And he said, and the caption was, God called me to plant a church. <laughs> and then next to it, was a grizzled old Yoda kind of hunched over with cane in hand. He said, and, he, and the caption is, I'd like to welcome you to our one-year anniversary. <laughs> That's what church planting does, especially in, in COVID, right, to a pastor. But honestly, I don't feel that. I really don't. Now, there's days where I'm tired, exhausted. I mean, any job will do that to a person. But I'm not haggard and tired, and worn, and much of that is due to this congregation here, you. You, you, you You guys are the best group to plant a church with. You have been all in from the very beginning, and have poured hours, and hours, and hours of sweat, and finances, and time, and all of that into the work of this, the ministry of this church. And that is, that's a blessing. It's a blessing to this church. It's a blessing to the kids who are watching. This is how the church is supposed to operate. 
that all the body serves one another to make the body flourish. And you guys are doing that. So that's an encouragement. So as we look to 22, to 2022, what is it that we can be prayed for? What is it that we, can, that we want to consider? One, new community builder group success. That the same kind of uh, work of, of uh, spirit-induced fellowship and bonding would take place again this year through the work of the Spirit in these community builder groups. The Building and Land Committee is going to begin to meet along with the, the session, the elders, um, is going to begin to meet to talk about what to do with the land that we purchased and how to begin thinking about raising support and all of that for the land. And so prayers that clarity would be gleaned in that process, just as clarity came to, to this group last year. Prayers that we would complete the elder process and get elders installed so that we become particularized as a church. We become our own church, self-governing church. And that we also would begin, uh, with elders in place, would begin training, ordaining uh, deacons for the work of ministry. And I, I anticipate that training to begin in July, just as the elder training began this past July and going through the, the semester. So prayers on that. Another thing that we're praying and considering uh, at this time is, you know, Jake came on board and has done a great job for us. And he was, I believe, just teaching at the time. Maybe he had picked up a little administrative work. But now Jake is in the role of principal. So the job at the school has increased. The youth ministry, the, I think the, youth, the student ministry size has doubled. It seems like it to me. I don't know if that, when we think back to those online little youth videos and things, I think it's maybe doubled since then. So the demands at the youth ministry have increased, which have led us to seek a, a, a youth director to continue leading the, the ministry forward. And so that's a big question as we move into 2022. So prayers for that. I was praying with a, a pastor this past week, and uh, he was praying for me. And before he prayed, he, he said, oh, I'll pray for those things. And he looked up at me and he said, you know God's going to answer this, right? <laughs> I was like, I was like it, it was kind of funny because it was like so, like just sort of swashbuckling, like I'm going to pray for this. And, but it wasn't that. It, it, was, it was God hears and answers the prayers of his people. So everything I've just described in, in one year from today, I fully expect to be doing the same little talk, hear the same stories, and that's okay. We're developing the shared memory. Um, you're going to hear this again, and I'm going to say this is what, how God has answered every one of these things for us. Because God is good, and he loves his church, and he's exercising all of his power and love towards its beautification, perfection, and glory. And that's our hope. So let me, let me pray for us, and um, we'll, we'll be concluded with this. Let's pray. Father, we do give you thanks for the ways in which you've worked in our congregation, just in our short history. And you're working in similar ways across the globe. Your hand is there, working, involved, in, in, in seeing your bride come to, to, to grow and to be perfected. And we pray that you would help us as we move to the future, as we look to the future. 
as we begin new community builder groups, as we consider uh, youth director, as we consider what to do with the property that we have and moving forward in that way, as we consider bringing on deacons, as we bring on elders through uh, formalize that process through ordination and installation and all the things involved there. We thank you for your kindness and we pray that you would um, just continue to make us confident of your hand in our lives and help us to cherish these clear evidences of your grace and hand because uh, there will come a time in, in the life of our church where it may seem as though you're not there. We may wonder. We may question. And in those times, we, we cling to, to this history here, to your hand, and knowing that while it may not make sense what's going on in whatever difficult season we may face, you're with us. You promise to be. Give us the faith to believe it. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.